0: It's now a well-known fact that any medical doctor who actually devotes his life to the practice of evidence-based medicine is in danger of committing professional suicide. And that is a real tragedy because if such a doctor takes a step even further and chooses to publish, say, research data in medicine uh, that might actually advance science and improve medical treatments, then the risk of being chastised and even being severely punished by government funded medical boards is almost a guarantee. And if a doctor really wants to end his medical career fast in this day and age, all he really has to do is expose this corruption to the world. The fact, this fact actually has been proven time and again, um, but arguably I think you'd have to say that the most corrupt medical board in the nation is probably the Oregon Medical Board. The number of doctors who have been victimized by this board is growing rapidly. And it's about time that victims be given a strong voice because you need to hear the stories behind the scenes of what's really going on. Today, I've got a great physician. I'd like you to meet Dr. Paul Thomas. He's a board certified uh, physician in pediatrics and uh, addiction medicine. He's practiced medicine in the Portland area, specifically in Beaverton since um, 2008, but he's been in Portland since about 1988, and his current practice is integrative pediatrics. He's actually done some research on vaccines and he submitted a research paper to a peer-reviewed medical journal. He's also authored two books, one on addiction and one on vaccines. Dr. Paul,
1: I thank you for joining me today and welcome. Well, thank you, Steve. For the record, because I'll be in big trouble if I don't clarify this, I am no longer board certified because when the Oregon Medical Board emergently suspended my license, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, that resulted in losing not just board certifications, but all insurance contracts, my hospital privileges. Uh, Basically, it sort of wipes you out of all your professional uh, associations and affiliations, et cetera.
0: Yes. Um, I exactly I experienced the same thing. You know, misery does love company and, <laughs> um, and Dr. Paul and I have both gone down in infamy by having our medical licenses suspended by an emergency order. So it's called uh, on December 3rd. And unfortunately, um When you you lose your medical license, all kinds of terrible things just go into effect. I not only lost uh, contracts with insurance companies, uh, but I was slandered grossly all over the world, in fact, um, since that time. And you just lose your reputation. You lose your affiliations with professional uh, organizations. And the actual list goes on and on and on. In fact, I even received a notice um, from the Better Business Bureau that, you know, this board suspension might hurt your business. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Just incredible. So I'm really curious, Dr. Paul, uh, when the Oregon Medical Board notified you that your license was suspended, what was the very first thing that entered your mind? I mean, did you see it coming? Were you
1: expecting something like this? No, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I was aware that they were after me because, you know, I published a book, The Vaccine Friendly Plan, in 2016. And within about a year of that, the medical board started coming after me just with one request after another. Uh, I was systematically dealing with all the requests because none of them had any merit. And we still had a couple open requests at the time of that emergency suspension so that we were still dealing with. So that came out of the blue. It was very clearly timing was in retaliation for the publication of my article. Um, There's a story behind that, that I just have to share to your listeners because it's kind of amusing. In retrospect, I'm thanking the Oregon medical board for furthering my purpose in life. So, Here I am. I've been a pediatrician for over 30 years, and I'm sitting in a very unique place in history. I have the largest practice of unvaccinated patients in a mainstream full-service pediatric practice, probably in the country. I have over 600, probably close to 800 unvaccinated patients. I have Hundreds, no, thousands and thousands of partially vaccinated patients and thousands of fully vaccinated patients. It's a unique situation because basically I get to see something that nobody else sees. All my peers have simply fully vaccinated patients. And in fact, in this town where I practice, if there's a family that doesn't want to vaccinate, they get kicked out of the practice and they come to me. So I'm sitting on this massive amount of data thinking, I wonder what it'll show. Well, the Oregon Medical Board uh, asked me in February of 2019, I got a letter from them. You're used to getting letters from the medical board. It's like, oh, what now? They asked me to prove that the vaccine-friendly plan, which is an approach that many of my patients choose to use, uh, prove that that is as safe as the CDC schedule. When I first read that, I literally just laughed. This is ridiculous. The CDC has never, they've refused to study the difference between their program and unvaccinated. And it would be so simple to do. They have the data. They're sitting on that information. Health plans have the data. Anyway, somebody suggested to me, well, Paul, just do a QA assessment, quality assurance analysis of your data. Thought that's brilliant. So I did. I hired an outside expert to come in and look at every single patient born in my practice, we then had that information de-identified, and that is the data set that resulted in the publication. The article is called Relative Incidence of Office Visits and Cumulative Rates of Bill Diagnoses Along the Access of Vaccination. Jack Lyons-Wheeler and myself published it in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. It's a rigorous peer-reviewed process. This is a peer-reviewed study. Full disclosure, it was since retracted. That's standard. When you publish information that's threatening to the status quo, this is threatening to massive profits from the pharmaceutical vaccine industry. They go after the author to discredit the author. So that was the December 3rd, 2020. We, we just had our anniversary, by the way. You and I were on that together. So they try to discredit the author. And then they try to get the articles uh, pulled. Can you hear me, Steve?
0: Yes, I do hear you. And um, I have to say, I'm not surprised at what I'm hearing because I experienced a very similar thing. Can I just ask you this? What was the real reason, Dr. Paul, that the Oregon Medical Board suspended your license? I mean, what was the real trigger?
1: Well, Well, I can only speculate speculate that it was this study because we already had other ongoing complaints that I was dealing with, and it was such a rapid fire. Five days after this was available online, uh, they yanked my license. So I believe that's the real reason. Now, the reason they listed were all these charges that had no merit. Example I was accused of causing tetanus in a young man here in Oregon. That case got a lot of press. The true story behind that case was this was a family that lived 60, 70 miles from here on a farm. This young man got a big gouge in his head in the horse barn. And, you know, being self-care, non-vaccinating, take care of ourselves farmers, they just cleaned it up, sewed it up. And well, with tetanus, that ended up being a unfortunate choice. He got a very serious case of tetanus, was in the ICU at OHSU for four months. Mind you, I still don't know this family. They've never been to my practice. After he's about to leave the hospital at OHSU, they were told they could not leave until they had a pediatrician to do follow-up. So they called my office, begged me to take him. They said, nobody will take us because we don't vaccinate. And we've heard you guys are, you'll, you'll probably help us out. We can't get out of the hospital. So I said, sure, I'll see him. And he was having a hard time walking still, but he ended up with a full recovery. The way the board wrote that complaint was as if I caused his tetanus. And that family refused all vaccines for the entire four months. They were up at the uh, OHSU hospitalization. But because of the one visit I saw him, I failed to get him to have any vaccines. It was my fault that he had tetanus. And that was just one example of a number of complaints that just were completely of no substance. Well, I really sympathize with you. And that
0: is astounding. Um, Did you have any idea that this might actually be the modus operandum of the Oregon Medical Board? I mean, have you noticed any patterns of (laughs) what has happened to you and what they're going for? I mean, what's their agenda?
1: Oh my gosh, well, their agenda in my case is simply to discredit me uh, and ultimately to take my license. Uh, I believe since I wrote the vaccine friendly plan that put the target on me, that book is saying that there might be a different way than the CDC schedule. Well, the CDC schedule is taken by physicians as the way to vaccinate. And so you've got this massively bloated schedule of vaccines. Many of them don't make any sense at all. For example, giving hepatitis B vaccine to newborns whose mothers do not have hepatitis B. Well, that makes no sense. And yet it's still being done across the country and being held up as the correct way to do things as the standard of care. So if you're going to change the standard of care, you have to innovate and this medical board and I think medical boards across the country are standing in the way of innovation. They want to just keep things the way they are. And if it's profiting pharmaceutical companies, all the more a reason that the board would be somehow incentivized to uphold that you know, status quo, if you will. Because all their charges, since they started coming after me three, four years ago, in some form or another, they write it up so that it sounds like I am not promoting the CDC schedule and therefore I'm practicing bad medicine that I am, uh, you know, you know, they have all their words that make it sound like you're just the worst of the worst doctor.
0: Okay. Well, I have to tell you, I did read the account of the Oregon medical boards uh, take on that patient uh, that developed tetanus And I'm telling you, if I was not a doctor and if I was not myself a victim of the Oregon Medical Board, um, I would think you are just a wretched, horrible human being, let alone medical doctor who should immediately have his license pulled. You know, I would be saying, wow, if that is all true, you're a bad guy and um uh, that devastates me because guess what? If I read my story, which just came out because they hit me twice. Uh, the last one was uh, they pulled one on me when I was actually out of state. And this time they fully revoked my license and fined me $10,000. And in fact, that just got published uh, to the world and it was in the local paper here in Dallas uh, where my clinic was. And um If you read that account, uh, they they threw in some extra things because I practiced uh, pain medicine as well as addiction medicine. Mm -hmm. And And you wouldn't believe the despicable things that they do, the fabrication of investigations. They actually open up bogus investigations. They slander you to the world and make it sound like, Whatever hearsay they can conjure up, they make it sound like this is hardcore facts and they advertise it as such, even though all of those so-called facts are disproven, as it was in my case uh, in the course of my my administrative court hearing. So all of those so-called facts were completely refuted, 100 percent. But the world doesn't hear that kind of thing, and of course, um, what recourse do we have? You mentioned something. I was talking to you a couple of days ago, Paul, and you, know, you mentioned something about a gag order. Can you explain that so that people understand what you're talking about?
1: Sure. Uh, they've they've actually implemented a couple ways. So one is um, after they took my license illegally without filing formal charges, which should be illegal. Um, That was brought to their attention. And I actually filed a tort article so that I had the right to sue them back in May. Well, then they were negotiating with my attorney so I could get my license back. And because my practice was floundering and I needed to help out, I went ahead and took their deal that at that point, which allowed me to still see patients, but I'm not allowed to do well visits. I'm not allowed to talk about vaccines. And it's interesting what else they threw in. I am not allowed to do research on patients. Not that I've ever done research on patients, by the way. My research has been retrospective, uh, IRB approved, meaning it's all very ethical and legal and it's, it's not interventional. In other words, I'm not doing something to change anything. I'm just looking at outcomes based on decisions that parents make. Uh, but I got a separate letter from the board, uh, refused, uh, pro- forbidding me to discuss the details of any of my cases. So that's how they effectively put a gag order on me.
0: Um, do you know if that's legal or not? I mean, do, do we do have um, a First Amendment, don't we, where we have the right to free
1: speech? Uh, I mean, um, is this overreaching in your opinion? It sure feels like it. So the other interesting thing is, as you probably know, I have a show, doctorsandscience.com. It's called Against the Wind, Doctors and Science Under Fire. I also have a YouTube channel, Dr. Paul or Paul Thomas MD is my YouTube channel with 1.5 million subscribers. Just this past week, I got two letters, actually three letters from the board. One's 24 pages, the other two are shorter. And they're now challenging content on my YouTube channel and content on my show uh, what they're trying to do. And it's just phishing. uh, They're trying to establish that somehow I'm still talking to patients about vaccines um, and therefore in violation of their agreement with me. And it's just phishing. It's totally bogus complaints. But this this is sort of how they operate. Uh, I was told by my attorney, they have physicians scouring my online work. So to be careful, it's like, oh, my goodness. Of course, we have a First Amendment right to free speech. And as you know, you're doing a show and I'm on your show. Uh, The board could call anything we say on this show in disinformation or misinformation and Based on that alone, they can actually take our licenses. I mean, that's the, the crazy amount of power that's been given to medical boards. Uh, and you you and I both know, having gone through this, that they really are not accountable to anyone. So I have a trial coming up mid-January, which is why I've started a fund called Dr. Paul's Fight So listeners, if you want to support this battle, my attorney says it's going to take a quarter million dollars by the time I pay the fines. So they've already written up fines in excess of a million dollars. Uh, Of course, they won't get that much, but they're going to shoot for the moon and they'll still get the stars. I will have at least $100,000 worth of fines. I will have to pay their attorney fees, which could run up over for a two-week trial, bringing experts from around the country. That could be another $100,000. I've got to pay my own attorney fees, just to fight this and if I win that case you know this Steve so we're in front of a judge who's actually an Oregon appointed judge and we're fighting a board that's an Oregon appointed board let's just say I do win which I think I have a really strong case even if I win the medical board has the right and the power to say well thank you for your thoughts judge Uh, we're still taking his license so they are absolutely not accountable to anyone that needs to be changed. I mean, we absolutely have to get rid of this rogue board that's so powerful that they can just basically harass us. I mean, we, you and I, I know because we got that same emergency suspension. I mean, we've been harassed incessantly. It's, it's obscene.
0: It truly is. And, you know, I want to clarify that point, uh, Dr. Paul, because I think that actually the public, people in general, do not understand it, even just what you said. You have a court hearing coming up in January and uh, there is a judge involved. You have an attorney Um I, I would like you, either you or I, to explain what kind of a hearing is this? What is it officially called? In other words, is this in circuit court, federal court, Supreme Court, or is it an administrative court hearing?
1: Yeah, it's just a single judge, administrative court hearing. And um, because of being in Oregon and the rules with masking and social distancing, it would have to be virtual. Uh, or we would have to be masked up. And, and I am one and my attorney is the same way where we don't function well masked up. I mean, if you have that increase of carbon dioxide and lack of oxygen, it's just, it's not your best brain power. So we're going to have to do it virtual. And my attorney says, you know, your, op, your chance virtually of making a solid impression is much less. So the, the deck is stacked even worse.
0: Okay, so please stop right there, because um, this is something that people need to understand. Now, I went through a week plus a half day of an administrative court hearing for uh, my emergency order suspending my medical license, and that took place three and a half months after after my license was suspended. Oh, you had a speedy
1: trial. Mine was set for January of 2022. Oh, yes,
0: I can believe that. And I do have a federal court uh, hearing scheduled for July 12th of 22. Uh, But let me get back to this administrative court hearing, because the public needs to understand one thing, that an administrative court hearing, you have a judge, but that judge is only advisory the judge will make recommendations and come to conclusions based on everything that went uh, on in the hearing. But the Oregon Medical Board is the judicial uh, supreme ruler of the administrative court hearing. In other words, the Oregon Medical Board Corrupt as it is, and as you said, fully unaccountable, acts as your judge, your jury, your prosecutor, and your executioner. They can do whatever they want to do. And so, uh, as I think you will find out, if there was ever a scenario that, that describes and depicts a kangaroo court, this is it. Yep. In the administrative court hearing, what you will find is that the Oregon Medical Board really has zero interest in the best science. In fact, they flush the science. If there are good studies out there, such as uh, the, the gold standard, which is a randomized control uh, study, um that supports your position, they will completely, completely ignore it. And they will take the weakest studies that they can possibly find to support their position to take you down. And then let me just say it. The judge um, let's just say it this way. The judge actually receives their pay from the Oregon medical board from the government. And so there is a bias that is built into the system here. This is not at all a neutral party. So um, what's the chance of any doctor actually coming out a winner in an administrative court hearing?
1: Frankly, um, I fear for you. I think it's pretty low. (laughs) I've heard it's zero, but I'm about to change that.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I'm for you. And I think this also, if, if it was in a court of law where justice was the sought after outcome, I think you would win this hands down. I've looked at all the accusations against you. I've read the reports. I've read your articles and and things like that. And, And they all point to a very responsible, caring physician who wants to do what is right by his patients. Uh, I I see you as a doctor that wants to follow your oath. And so I have to say that this really does trigger me. Um, Because if there's no hope of any justice, and you're hiring an attorney to support you, and it's going to cost all this money, um, it, it argues for the fact that you are going to have to proceed further with this fight. And this is exactly why most medical doctors, I mean, I'm talking the great majority of medical doctors, just say, look, you can't beat the medical boards. They're too corrupt. They are an entity to themselves and they have zero accountability and therefore take your losses and then just move on because you're not going to beat them. However, I think we have reached a point where... We are at the tipping point and something needs to change. And that is exactly why I spoke up on the one day that I finally spoke on that rally, uh, November 7th of uh, 2020, and I exposed them. And because I exposed them, they came after me. I got my bullying letter from the medical director of the Oregon Medical Board, and it was dated two days after my speech at a political rally in Salem at the Capitol building. Is that just a coincidence?
1: (laughs) No, it's not a coincidence. I uh, when after they took my license. I uh, sent a email out to my patients and just explained, you know, the office is open. I have a team that's going to be here supporting you, taking care of you. And don't worry, I'll be in the background. Two days later, I get a letter from the medical board. Explain what you mean by I'll be in the background. (laughs) oh yes well of course i was in the background praying for my staff and my patients but i guess they're they're not into that
0: not at all no not at all they are not into science and they are not into justice they follow their own rules and that is just an absolute fact um well we are um Discussing a very difficult topic, and it's one that does absolutely need to be fully exposed. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my very special guest, Dr. Paul Thomas. I do welcome your comments, and you can email me at unitywithoutcompromise at yahoo.com. Don't forget, I do have a book called "Unity Without Compromise: A Biblical Basis for Christian Union," and it is available at the America Out Loud bookstore, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. Remember that this share, this air shows, uh, or this show airs on Saturday and Sunday at twelve and five Eastern time, and then it goes to podcast on Monday. I'm gonna take a short break and be right back. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC-11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC-11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC-11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. AmericaOutLoud.com. Simply put, we're patriots
1: who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio.
0: Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa, or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip. Today, I've been speaking with a special guest, Dr. Paul Thomas. He goes by Dr. Paul. He's a pediatrician who's been practicing in Oregon for well over 30 years, and he is under attack by the disdainful Oregon Medical Board. And that's our topic today, the uncensored truth about the uncensored truth about the corrupt Oregon medical board you see if the public knew if the public really knew what is really going on behind the closed doors of these medical boards they wouldn't tolerate it a bit and neither should physicians you know there's a lot of physicians out there being really silent simply because they fear the corruption They know that they have a very slim chance of fighting and winning this system because, as Dr. Paul mentioned, there is no accountability. They are an empire to themselves, and I find that disgusting. In fact, in recent months, the Federation of State Medical Boards um, came out and just boldly stated that they are going to target any and all physicians who... Uh, give out any, quote, misinformation, and that misinformation is actually called the best science and um, sound medical advice. Uh, Medical boards absolutely care nothing about true science, but I have come to know that they care everything about the political agenda in the pirated world of organized medicine. Tragically, Dr. Paul has been brutally and unfairly attacked by the Oregon Medical Board because he did just that. He challenged the narrative and for good reason, but he is fighting back. And for that, I respect this physician greatly. The board's issue with Dr. Paul has been his position, um, they say, on vaccines. And speaking about vaccines, Dr. Paul um, We live in very interesting times. Would you please share your opinion on the new experimental COVID vaccines?
1: Sure. Be happy to. Of course, uh, this is just informational. I'm not giving medical advice because the board will be listening to us and I will hear about it. (laughs) It'll be a new letter tomorrow (laughs) or the next day. Um, So here's the thing. I think people have forgotten or we've been so systematically dumbed down by medicine and doctors being in authority positions telling us what to do, that we've forgotten that we have an innate immune system, a natural immune system, that when it's working as it should, and for children, it almost always works really well, children have a robust immune system, you have amazing health. Now this wasn't known to me when I graduated from medical school back in 1985. And in fact, as a pediatric resident, you're taught about all the wonders of vaccines and how they've saved our world from, you know, everything right. From smallpox to polio, et cetera. And I'm not saying vaccines have no value. That's not at all what I'm saying, but we bought that hook line and sinker that the more, the better, right? Just keep vaccinating, vaccinating, vaccinating. Never once has the CDC or the FDA or the NIH, or any major health plan looked at the v- status of health for the unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated. They simply have refused to do it. Well, that's what I ended up doing, publishing right before the Oregon Medical Board yanked my license. And I know we talked about that at the beginning of the show, but I just wanted to reemphasize that the unvaccinated were so incredibly healthy. They had like one quarter to one Sixth, the amount of asthma, allergic rhinitis, breathing problems, behavioral issues, ADD, ADHD. In fact, there was no ADD, ADHD in the unvaxxed, but less respiratory infections, ear infections, eye infections. Wait a minute. I thought vaccines prevented infections, you might be asking yourself. Well, they might reduce the infection to a specific agent but overall they shift your immune system towards allergy and autoimmunity and you end up with more other infections. So in total, on the grand scheme of things, you're actually worse off. That's what my data shows. I'm just simply sharing the data and the Oregon Medical Board and I think the whole uh, propped up system of vaccine profits was hit with a blow that they're going, oh my gosh, this is too dangerous for the world to know. So they tried to shut me down. I do want to thank the medical board because as a result of them coming after me so hard the last few weeks, I started this fundraiser, drpaulsfight.com. Go check it out. We are going to take it to the medical board and put them back where they belong in a point of just investigating physicians who are a danger. So you and I are of the same era. I think back 30, 35 years ago, medical boards would target physicians who were, um, Impaired, you know, usually they were alcoholic or drug using, or maybe they were sexually abusing their patients. Those were the kind of doctors, yeah, you don't want those people out there harming patients. But now it's just taken a pure political motive and uh, propping up pharmaceutical profits. Now, to your question. So there's this new vaccine, right? Or I should call it a shot. Uh, mRNA technology, it's never been done in humans successfully, that is. And so we are a grand experiment as a vaccine, traditionally, that meant it would prevent infection and prevent transmission of disease. So you're going to take a vaccine and then you're going to be part of the group that helps others, even if they haven't taken a vaccine, be protected. Well, this is not working that way at all. It's not preventing infection. It's not preventing transmission, but you've got to go back to what it actually is. They have created a product that's inserting foreign synthetic genetic material into your cells, turning your cells into spike protein manufacturing facilities. It's the spike protein that's the problem for the most part, whether you get it from an infection or a vaccine, but at least with an infection, your body has a natural ability to shut that down right at the get-go. That's that innate immune system, the natural inborn immune system that's very robust, especially in kids with the vaccine, you're getting this massive dose and these spike proteins are ending up in the blood and they're ending up in very concerning places. They're ending up in the gonads, in your ovaries and testicles. Chances are high, we're gonna have a lot of infertility. We're having lots of miscarriages. We're having a lot of brain, brain issues, issues. We're having we're a, lot of a lot of bleeding issues. issues. This vaccine is problematic. And when you talk about giving it to kids, it simply doesn't make sense, Steve.
0: Well, I agree 100%, and I have been uh, very much um, advocating for the real science in this. I agree with you. The spike protein is what is causing the dissemination of inflammation actually throughout uh, every organ of the body, but the gonads uh, seems to have a predilection for uh, the accumulation of spike proteins, and I fully agree with you that infertility is going to become a massive problem uh, particularly if they keep on pushing the vaccine uh boosters and so forth and i agree with you by the way it, it does not really fit the definition of a vaccine at all call it a jab call it an inoculation or a shot but this is not a vaccine because it does not protect you it does not protect me Uh, from someone that's vaccinated. It does not um, do anything useful, but it does do a lot that's harmful. And I personally believe that we are in a new Holocaust. And we have to remember that this is all funded by uh, people that are very interested in population control, the Bill Gates Foundation, for example. Um, He has a very dark agenda. And he's funding this whole thing. And people seem to so easily and quickly forget that fact. Um, So I completely uh, do agree with you. And I think that there is an agenda that goes actually far beyond um, even uh, medicine. Uh, And when we look at this jab, and particularly uh, one of the developers of that messenger RNA technology, Dr. Robert Malone um, called for a halt of the vaccine uh, program simply because he said it is dangerous. It is not doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, It is a failed experiment. And therefore, I firmly believe that we are intentionally killing people. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, Uh, Dr. Paul, it's called The Real Anthony Fauci. It has been a bestseller and it is incredible. And by the way, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a staunch Democrat. He's been a Democrat all his life and he has assumed uh, to his best ability neutrality and just exposing what Dr. Fauci is doing. Um, He said a lot about the vaccine industry in that book. And if you just read the introduction, he mentions. a real cataclysmic um, cascade of childhood illnesses that actually began in the late 1980s, about five years after uh, Tony Fauci became director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. And in that book, uh, Mr. Kennedy um, points out that there was a sudden explosion of some 80 autoimmune diseases that were practically unheard of in children prior to 1984. And then suddenly, when about the same time the vaccine manufacturers were granted government protection from all liability, then we saw a real surge in vaccines coming out because the manufacturers of these vaccines had everything to gain and nothing to lose. Um, is it? A, do you think it's just a coincidence that all of these illnesses, uh, you know, the sick generation of children. Uh, that resulted from this glut of new vaccines. Um, Do you think there is a link between
1: those? Oh, there's absolutely a link. I think uh, we made a huge mistake when we took away liability because corporations do not have a conscience. So the only control that keeps them somewhat um, ethical is if they have liability And so the removal by that Childhood Immunization Act of 1986 of all liability. Now, interesting enough, it's not just the corporations that are liability free, all of us who give vaccines. So doctors then could just freely recommend vaccines as safe and effective, which is a marketing slogan, not a fact. And that's the mantra that we were taught to say. And I mean, I was part of that process of being trained to say, oh, no, they're safe. It's one in a million that you're going to have a problem. Well, if you look at my data, basically every single child is harmed to some extent. I mean, all the chronic conditions that we see in children are to some part related to the massive vaccine schedule because you rarely see these things in the unvaccinated. So that's why this data that I've brought forth is so, so important to the world. And then it just coincided with the COVID agenda. And I think both you and I got caught in that in different ways. But, you know, they if you speak the truth, but it's against their agenda, which is to sell more vaccines. And in the case of the COVID agenda, you you point out there may be other sinister things going on behind the scenes, but simply looking at profits for vaccines, it's a massive moneymaker. And the interesting thing is that I've observed is this. If you look at pharma and where they're making their money, it's a huge industry, multi billion dollar industry. They have made most of their profits from selling autoimmune drugs in the last decade the Humeras and the Embrils. And there's, it seems like there's a new one out every month. I mean, these are the drugs that people will we'll have to pay a hundred thousand a year just to get the, or the, or their insurance company will cover a lot of that. We're all paying for that folks. So number one moneymaker are these immunosuppressants. When you suppress someone's immune system, what happens? They get cancer. Number two moneymakers, the cancer industry and what started it all to begin with this massive assault of vaccines and the aluminum and vaccines that triggers autoimmunity. Well, now with this COVID vaccine, I think Vaccines may be jumping to number one in money-making a good vaccine in the past. Take the hepatitis B program where every baby born in America has been getting the hepatitis B for two decades, which is ridiculous because 99% of those babies don't need it. But that's a program that makes the insurance, the company about a billion dollars. Well, Pfizer's made over $30 billion already on their COVID vaccine. It's obscene profits. And it's interesting. I wonder what you think about this. Um, you can go get it for free. So people are given a free vaccine, but Pfizer makes $30 billion. Where do you think that money's coming from?
0: Um, I would speculate that we are paying for it. Um, <laughs> Bet so. Exactly right? exactly right. Yeah. yeah and they I, just print I, the money. Right. I totally agree with you. I think money is the big factor. You know, um, it took me a while to figure things out after my license was suspended emergently. Um, because uh, let me just throw this at you. You know, they told me that the reason that I had my license suspended is the same as you, because they said I was an immediate danger to the public and to my patients. Of course, zero evidence. I mean, zero evidence. But in Buried in the middle of that suspension letter was a statement that just came out of the blue, out of nowhere. And it went like this. There is no medical treatment available for the novel COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 virus. Now, why would they throw that out? And I think it's just for the reason that you said that I... I, you know, my uh, video uh, on YouTube went viral across the country and the globe. And I told the world that I had actually treated COVID patients early and I treated about 200 patients um, by the time um, they took my license. And I saw every one of them within a week and 100% success None of them went to the emergency department, none hospitalized, all of them recovered in about a week's time saying, Hey doc, give me, give me a release so I can go back to work. And that was just 200 patients because we really didn't have that many cases here in the first place, but I reported success in early treatment. And of course, if you are going to do an emergency use authorization for a vaccine, one of the requirements is there must be no effective treatment against the disease. And so I just exposed their hypocrisy and their corruption. And now looking back, I firmly believe that is the real issue. That is exactly why they took me out two days after I, um, I shared my story.
1: Yeah. they tried to blame it on masks, but I think you're right. That was the big issue. They did not want anybody figuring out that there were simple things we could do to get through the COVID illness. And for our listeners, You've got to understand that there are such beautiful, simple ways of of treating this. If you get it and you're starting to get sick, uh, you don't want to end up in the hospital. That should be the last place you go.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And the treatment is really easy. And you know, what's really interesting, I mean, eventually they would have taken me down. But when I treated my patients, I did not use hydroxychloroquine. And of course, uh, ivermectin wasn't uh, available as an option at that time. Nobody was thinking about it. Um, but I use the same um, recipe, if you will, the same medication regimen that I have used for any severe viral illness forever. And it worked like a champ. I would call people within 12 to 24 hours and say, hey, how are you doing? And they'd say, wow, already I feel so much better. Thank you. And uh, treatment does work. Now, I have another question for you. You know, the issue of the mask. I mean, I uh, let me point out that when I did speak at that rally, I stated that, hey, you want to hear this? I and my staff did not mask the entire time throughout the entire pandemic. And my clinic stayed open. I never closed and I treated everybody that came to the door and I did have a good protocol and it worked well as it has in years past. Um, But the issue of the mask is uh, the reason that they claim that uh, they took me down, despite the fact that we have at least 16 randomized controlled trial studies that show absolutely beyond any doubt that it is not a barrier against viral illness. Um, But, you know, Kate Brown has uh, put down her executive orders and said, everybody will mask And right now we're being told that we uh, she actually has a plan to keep Oregonians masked forever indefinitely. And this is part of their perpetual pandemic plan, because, as you said, they can make so much money on it. Um, So I'm just curious, uh, Dr. Paul, that what is your view on the mask? I mean, have you complied with that? And are you if you are compliant with that in your office? Why are you doing that? (laughs)
1: So, you know, I'm still under board review. So what I say about what happens uh, is important. Let me clarify something, though. Uh, I've been speaking around the country. I know you have, too. And when I travel the country, uh, I am in states where you don't have to wear a mask. And so I'm speaking to indoor crowds of hundreds to up to 2,000 people sitting right next to each other, rubbing against each other, uh, no masks. Most of these venues, most of these people are unvaccinated. So you would think this is the highest risk of all situations. I can't seem to get COVID. I have not been vaccinated. Um, there's a reason for that. I, I am relatively healthy and I, I have boosted my natural immune system uh, you know, through appropriate nutrition and supplementation, etc. cetera. Uh, but if people would use their common sense Uh, Most people have watched professional sports on television these days, and you will see in many states there are auditoriums with tens of thousands of screaming fans side-by-side with no masks on, and players on the field are smashing into one another, uh, obviously sharing body secretions and blood and all this, and there doesn't seem to be much of a problem with that. Even in our state of Oregon, uh, you go to a restaurant right now, Uh, before they get their passports passed. Uh, But right now, you can walk into a restaurant, you have to wear a mask to walk through that door. But as soon as you get to your table, you can take off your mask. Now, common sense should just be screaming at you that this doesn't make sense. The virus is only a problem in certain states. Uh, It's only a problem in certain stadiums. It's only a problem in certain uh, conferences. And in restaurants, it's only a problem as you enter the door, but it's not a problem at the table. Uh, It just doesn't make any sense. And it's for the very reason that you've stated. We have the science. Masks don't do anything for particles as small as a SARS-CoV-2 virus. I mean, it just, it's like a mosquito going through a chain link fence. It just it makes no difference. If you want to talk about stopping some sneezing secretions, sure, it's going to stop some of that. But as far as stopping a virus, no, it's 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 basically close to pointless. And my travels, watching television sports, thinking about what's happening in restaurants, your common sense indicator should be off the charts going, okay, masks aren't doing anything here. So yeah, that's my take on masks. I think it's unfortunate because I'm a pediatrician and when I see kids masked up, I feel so sad for them. You can see their eyes just looking out over the masks, kind of like help, right? They're calling for help. Kids are getting so anxious these days. We've got younger and younger cases of severe anxiety, younger and younger cases of suicide. Uh, In the addiction world, both you and I worked in, I mean, we've seen addiction suicides go through the roof this last year and a half. We are doing so much more harm than the tiny, minuscule, potential, slight good uh, that I don't even think is worth mentioning when you look at the downsides. So it's an unfortunate policy, and and it's only in certain states. And I think the states, uh, as this becomes more clear, states like Oregon will start losing a lot of residents. I know in my practice, I'm losing scores and scores of patients are moving out of state because they just won't do it. They're not going to tolerate that kind of state. Uh, suppression of their freedom.
0: Well, I agree with you. And um, I, outside of a surgical suite, when I, when I've been, you know, unless I'm cutting on a patient, I uh, have never worn a mask and I will not wear a mask. And that means I will not travel the airlines. I will no longer take train rides. Um, I just simply won't do it. And it's a matter of, you um, uh, I suppose, of patriotism because they are trying to control us. And uh, I'll go back to what I said on that infamous day when I spoke at that rally that the mask is nothing more than the chief symbol of submission to a rogue government faction. And I will never uh, turn my view from that because the science is with me completely. So, uh, yeah, I'm in full agreement with that. It's just sad that so many people are blindly masking and being trained being um, brainwashed into obeying a government that is out to get them in a real sense well it's obvious that the Oregon Macaboard board is going after you Dr. Paul and I know from my own experience just how harrowing this experience can be what do you think uh, isn't the Oregon Mecca board's next move what do you, what are they planning for you and
1: how do you plan <laughs> for <them? laughs> well we, we're going to have a trial. Uh, it's right now it's set for January 10th. I'm hoping we can put it off just because I want to have a trial where I can look my judge in the eye and see their facial expressions. Uh, but I don't know if that's ever going to come in Oregon, as you said, uh, but that will be the next thing. My plan is to raise enough money so I can actually sue them. Uh, there's never been a stronger case for a lawsuit because all their charges are so obviously fabricated. Uh, you know, I'm going to be able to just take them into civil court. Uh, and, um, that takes money. So that's why, you know, Dr. Paul's I've established that. So I can not only defend myself in the trial that they will ultimately have with me, but I can also take the fight to them because this broken system of medical boards, uh, Furthering an agenda that's political, not health-related, has to stop. And actually, I think there's a there's a way to get at this through the legislature as well, although that will be difficult in Oregon where um, it's pretty stacked.
0: It most certainly is, and uh, I can tell you that I have written to various legislators uh, in in our county and in the state, and I've gotten absolutely zero response. And that's a very, very sad statement. Well, um, I am just hoping that more physicians will finally uh, live true to their conscience and come forward and say, look, we've had enough. We need to fight this. We need to expose the corrupt corruption uh, with medical boards, and particularly the Oregon Medical Board, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. If you knew the nitty-gritty details, um, I think listeners would be absolutely astounded, and um, they need to become aware of that. Well, uh, Dr. Paul Thomas uh, is with me today. His book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and perhaps elsewhere. And it is a very worthwhile book reading. And um, he also has a radio show called Against the Wind. You can view the podcasts at doctorsandscience.com. Um, and he does have his legal fundraiser. And I would encourage you, please help Dr. Paul fight this fight. That Legal fundraiser can be accessed at DrPaul'sFight.com. He's got a goal of a million dollars and he's going to need it uh, to proceed forward. Uh, this is a huge, huge fight. We have to recognize that the abuses of state medical boards have existed for perhaps decades, but they're definitely getting worse, much worse. And the Oregon Medical Board leads the pack, in my opinion. It's no exaggeration to say that the Oregon Medical Board has declared war uh, um, against everything that is uh, ethically right, and they have declared war on objective science. And it's becoming clear, I think, to more and more people that any physician who chooses to defy the propaganda of the CDC, the World Health Organization, National Institute of Health, Uh, NIAD or even the state health department, such as the Oregon Health Authority, which in my opinion, is anything about health or speaking with authority. uh, But those doctors that defy these people and their propaganda, they're destined to not only be canceled, but professionally destroyed. How long before health professionals are jailed? because they stood on the side of good medicine and remained faithful to their oath as doctors to first do no harm and to put the patient first. Unless things change, it won't be long. But remember, you, the patient, is the one who suffers from poor health care. As a direct result of government-controlled health care, either we fight this war or we succumb to it. The choice is yours. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip. Please think about what we've said. Please proceed with open ears and opened eyes and look for the facts in medicine. Until next week, thanks for being with me. Adieu.